Make the final. Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, and Scott is alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. You are. You are Sean Graham. That's <laughs> right. Uh, hey, Sean. It's uh, been a while. Yeah, been a minute. Since we had talked about curling, but the bubble marches on. There yeah. is no end to this curling bubble. No, just keep it moving. Don't hold up the line. Just keep things moving. Yes, in this week where the Women's World Championship was scheduled to take place in Switzerland, the Curling Canada bubble was scheduled and continues to be scheduled to host the National Mixed Doubles Championship. And that is going to kick off on Thursday morning from the bubble in Calgary. Scott, overnight from Sunday to Monday, they changed the rings. Yeah, I saw I saw it's uh like yellow and blue. I thought the outside was red. Or is it always red? I don't know. They changed the colors. I don't know what it is. It's always blue on the outside, Sean. Okay, I believe it was red then. On the outside. Well, that's weird. It looked nice. I I thought it looked pretty good. Yeah, and you know what? A lot of work to get that done, so good on. Overnight. That's crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so kudos to the entire ice crew out there in Calgary for getting it done. But, Scott, the Canadian Mixed Doubles Championship, an interesting note there in terms of the the scheduling that there are players who can now participate in this who wouldn't have been able to participate had the Women's World Championship gone on as scheduled in Switzerland. Of course, Carrie Anderson's team would be or would have been over there. But now members of that team are going to be playing here in Calgary. So they get another week in the bubble in addition to the two Grand Slams they're going to play in. And then the Women's World Championship. Yeah, they're going to be uh, getting more curling than they uh, they had uh, hoped for, right? Well, I don't know. Maybe as much as they hoped for. Maybe more. Maybe more. Maybe they, more than they hoped for. Isn't all of their all of their team playing? I believe, yes, the entirety of the team is participating this week. I saw that Shannon Burchard is playing with uh, Catlin, don't call me Caitlin Schneider. <laughs> yep. And uh, their team is Team BS for Burchard Schneider. <laughs> yeah, the way it's listed on the schedule is hilarious. <laughs> uh, where they've just put the uh, back initial, the, the family name initial of each player. That's how you're identified on the schedule. It's quite entertaining to look at. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, So, Sean, this is an event with 35 teams, 70 players overall. Mm -hmm. Math is my strong suit. (laughs) How are we going to break this down? How are we going to talk about it? Because we can't talk about 35 teams. Sadly, no. We can't talk about all 35 teams in the time that we have allotted ourselves for this episode. So we just want to talk about some of the big things to be looking for this week out in Calgary with the mixed doubles and some of the things that we're excited to see some trends and themes that we might see emerge over the week. So Scott, let's uh, get into it. 35 teams, as you mentioned, five pools of seven teams each. So the teams qualified 
by provincial and territorial championship. So there's 14 teams that are representing their member association, and you will see them identified as such in the schedule. And I have to say, I haven't seen all the uniforms yet. I don't know what Dynasty has planned, but the Northern Ontario ones are phenomenal. I don't know if you saw them yet. Uh, the which ones? The Northern, Northern Ontario. Yes. Very, very cool. Yeah. Why, it's why don't an you angry moose. It? The angry moose. That's uh, so awesome. It's I great. love when the moose is on the jerseys. Yeah. And it's blazing across the front coming right at you. It, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal jersey. Uh, so we'll see those. We'll see the, the provincial reps. 14 teams qualified off of CTRS points. And these are specific mixed doubles CTRS points. So they got in those top 14 teams that were not qualified through the provincial or territorial championships. And then the final seven teams qualified by being teams that had committed to play together, but never had the chance to. But if you combined their points from last year, they are the next seven in. So that's, that's right. how Curling Canada decided to do it. So we have seven teams, well, eight, but seven, who have never played together and qualified. That way, the eighth would be John Morris. I don't believe he's played with his partner before, but he was scheduled to play with Rachel Homan, who is not going to participate as she is now. Is she in the ninth month of her pregnancy now? I don't know what sort of what her due date was, but she is uh, close to giving birth to her second child. So uh, exciting news and, and exciting times out there for for Rachel Holman and her family. Uh, but her spot is no longer going to be hers. And John Morris has found a new partner for this. So eight teams potentially who haven't played together. That throws in a bit of an interesting wrinkle, Scott. Yeah. But the thing is, all these teams that haven't played together are pretty good. I mean, yes. they're all good curlers. And the asterisk of John Morris and Caitlin Laws will forever fly over or be stuck to mixed doubles curling right oh yeah these teams could win yeah it doesn't really matter that they haven't played together yeah walker myers the same thing like the first time they played together was at the national championship and they won that's right yeah so it, it can certainly happen in mixed doubles if you're not familiar with mixed doubles it is an eight end game you have to play six in this event two stones are in play at the start of an end a center guard, and then a stone at the back of the button or back of the forefoot. And then each team during the game has the use of the power play where you can move those stones, make it a corner guard, and a stone above the T-line but over in the 12-foot. So that is the general format. Scott, you've played mixed doubles. What do you think of it just in general, the, the style of it, the format of it, and how different is it when you're playing mixed doubles versus the four-player game? I, I really like mixed doubles, Sean. It's really fast. Uh, when you're watching a game on TV, I think we're going to be sort of shocked at how quick these games go when they're when we're watching them on TV this week and uh, and next. The strategy is really interesting uh, in mixed doubles. Of course, you can't hit until I think the fifth or sixth rock of the end, or sorry, uh, third or fourth. And it's, it's like, it's all happening so (laughs) fast that, that you're kind of like, Oh, it's, it's over already. So when, when I was out there playing it, what I noticed is that, uh, the level of fitness 
it should be higher. Uh, that for me, especially, you know, the getting up and sweeping or running out and sweeping either way, it, it, it's hard and playing a lot of these games, you know, back to back or three in a day, whatever it's going to be for these teams. It's, it's tough. It's not, uh, it's not for the faint of heart. And the thing is that like all these teams that are going to be here are fit enough to play. Uh, they're, they're all good teams and it, it's, it's a fun game because there's the opportunity for so many swings uh, in momentum, right? There's a chance at any point that you could give up three or four. So, yeah. uh, and I don't, I don't think we're going to be seeing any blank ends here this week, Sean. Yeah. Blank ends and mixed doubles are exceedingly rare. Uh, so yeah, no worries about the mixed uh, doubles going blank crazy as we saw some complaints on social media during the Briar. But yeah, it, it is a fun game. It can sneak up on you how fast it is. And there was a, a bit of a rule tweak over the past couple of years, which I think has made a big difference, where in the past you had to have the players separated when you threw. So one player had to be at the the end where the rock was coming, holding the broom, and the other player had to be throwing. But now you don't need that. You can have the other player who's not throwing be like a normal sweeper and not have someone hold the broom. That's a change yeah. over the past couple of years that I think has impacted the game and made sweeping a little more important because you don't have the at least 10 feet of no sweeping at all. So mm-hmm. I think percentages have improved a little bit because of that. Uh, you know, these players are so good that they don't really need the broom as much. So it's, it's one of those changes that I think has been good for mixed doubles overall. I think so. I think so. The the sweeping being so important uh, nowadays, single sweeper style. Uh, yeah, it really helps, especially on those hits to yeah. have a sweeper uh, when when the rocks are you know not curling all that much. Yeah, no no question. So the way it works is that we'll have a round robin within each pool. So each team will play six games. Out of that, we will get to a twelve team playoff. Now, Scott, this playoff format little boncos to me. So the way it's going to work is that the top four teams that qualify will get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. And then the eight, so the eight remaining teams in this 12 team playoff format will play each other and a loser goes home game. So the fourth or the fifth ranked team will play the 12th ranked team and then so on and so forth. From that, the top four teams will match up against the four winners and that'll be a single elimination to get us to four teams. Then those four teams are going to play a seeding game, one each. The two winners are going to go to a page playoff 1-2 game, and the two losers are going to go into a page playoff 3-4 game. So I'm, I don't really understand why they're doing it like this, to go from a 12-team, two rounds of single elimination into a page format, but that's the way it's going to work. Sean, they're doing this so that the Tucks don't win the, <laughs> the event. Like, like literally, right? Because at the Worlds, we've seen a 16-team single elimination bracket. Yep. Anything can happen in that yeah. sort of a way. They Curling Canada, when I say they, they want the best representative from Canada to go 
and play in whatever world event in order to qualify for the Olympics, right? Yes. And so they don't want a team to just get hot at the right time, win four games in a row, and be your Canadian champion. Yeah, I I think that's a a fair way to look at it. I mean, what's interesting, though, Scott, is you could conceivably have five teams that go 6-0 and in their pool play, and then they'll have to determine through the tiebreakers which of those five teams will be ranked fifth. Yes. And would have to play in that first round. Yes. So, like you said, Sean, the the winners of the five pools are going to be ranked one to five, no matter what. Right. So you could have a pool winner with a four and two record, say, and there's a six and oh and five and one in another pool. Doesn't matter. Uh, That said, so the the tiebreaker is win loss record. Okay, sure. You could get five teams at six and oh. Yeah. Uh, Two teams are tied head to head results where you wouldn't have any head head to head results if all the top of the brackets are six and oh. Yeah. Top of the pools. Then last stone draw ranking is used to break the tie after that. Yeah. So uh, last stone draw is going to be important in this because I think looking at the event, you and I are, are pretty sure there's going to be tiebreakers required. Oh, yeah. Big time. And there won't be any tiebreaking for the 12th team to get into the playoffs, right? It'll be uh, head-to-head or last stone draw. Yes, yeah, so people will be eliminated on that. And and yeah, it's likely to be last zone draw. I mean, it could be two teams from the same pool who are tied. Certainly that has happened before and, and could could be the case. But yeah, it, it's likely that a team will be eliminated here on last zone draw. And you don't see that in big events frequently. No, like uh, hardly ever, really. Yeah. It's, so, it's recently become more important and we see it more at juniors. But uh, yeah, it's going to loom large over this event, I'd say. Yeah, it just feels strange to me to go from single eliminations to another single elimination to then seeding round to get to the page. Yeah, yeah, it, there is a sort of a tough road for yeah. all the teams, right? There's the chance that any team, even the first place team, could lose yep. their their first game and be done. Yeah, no, no question about it. But so, so yeah, so that is the format to get into a page playoff uh, from twelve down to four. The prize money for this little less than what you get in the four person team, but not bad, I have to say. First place gets fifty thousand. Second place gets thirty thousand. Third place with twenty thousand. Fourth place ten thousand. Five through eight sixty five hundred, and then the rest of the playoff teams thirty five hundred dollars. So nice prize money there in this mixed doubles. As Scott mentioned, the winner will go to whatever the world championship looks like whenever that is going to take place. Still no confirmation from the World Curling Federation on that. Like with the men's and women's, that's important for Olympic qualification. Nobody has qualified. No country has qualified for the Olympic Games other than China as the host team. And the mixed doubles world championship will determine the teams that qualify for the world or for the Olympics, save for a couple spots for the last chance qualifier. So this is important for, for that purpose. Whoever goes to the world championship isn't just going to a typical world championship. They're going to the Olympic qualifier. So it'll be interesting to see that. And, and as Scott, as you mentioned, perhaps that went into the factoring for 
curling candidate and coming up with this playoff format. I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. It did, uh, in coming up with this. And I think, I mean, I think this will pick the best champion, um, to represent Canada. I think, uh, sort of having to go through everything that you do go through it, it'll, it'll have the cream rise to the top. Hopefully. I mean, that's what you want, right? You want the, the best team to come out and, and a team that'll come out and, and get that spot for Canada. That's what current Canada certainly wants. They don't want to go to a last chance qualifier. Oh no, 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 no. No. So Scott, I went through the pools here, the, the five pools, and, and it's hard to assess them in terms of who's going to be good or which pool is the, the strongest. I couldn't help but notice one curious thing, though, is that you have a lot of four-person teams, top four-person teams with multiple members in this field. Mm-hmm. Like Jennifer Jones is here. Jocelyn Peterman is here. Caitlin Laws is here. You have... Darren Molding is here. Brendan Botcher is here. Yes. Gushu Nichols, Galant, they're here. All four members of the Anderson team are here. Scott, there's only two situations that I could find, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, where teammates are in the same pool. Hmm. So down in pool D, Shannon Burchard and Val Sweeting yes. are both there. And then in pool E, Caitlin Laws and Lisa Weagle. That's right. That does look like all of it. I'm uh, so it quickly seems glancing a, through things. Yeah, it seems a little fishy to me, right? Why doesn't Curling Canada want to give us these rivalry games? Uh, Sean, I believe that they were sorted into pools based on the rankings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give us what we want: rivalry <laughs> games. Yeah. So, looking uh, quickly at the pool, Sean, does any pool strike you as being the? Um, "Quote unquote pool of death." I think Pool D, to be honest, uh, strikes me as the toughest one. So, just to run through it real quick, Shannon Burchard is playing with Catlin Schneider, uh, Kristen Karwacki, Darren Semigalski, Val Sweeting, Mark Kennedy, Elizabeth, and Landon King. They're the representative of the Northwest Territories, and good luck to them. Uh, Bobby Sauter and Brendan Botcher, Carly Jones, Bryce Everest from. Nova Scotia. Carly Jones is pretty good. I'm not familiar with Bryce Everest, but Carly Jones is good. And Emma Miskew and Ryan Fry round out that pool. Those are some really good players, Scott. Yeah, I I do think that is a a pool that is really, really good. Do you think another pool is better? I I wouldn't say that, but I don't think the winner is coming out of that pool, if that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah. Right? Like, I look at pool B, you've got Jones and Lang and you've got the Tux. Yep. Uh, and, and then you've got Laurie Saint-Georges and, and Felix Asselin playing together. And then Carrie Anderson, Brad Gushu. I can yep. see, you know, Jones, Tux or Anderson, Gushu winning. Yeah. The Desjardins Tux. are good. The Desjardins have made the playoffs in this before too. They're also in this pool. Yes. And the Desjardins, you're right. That's the, they're sort of the, the, they're the Tux of Quebec. <laughs> uh, and I think I lost to them actually when we played uh, in the mixed doubles provincials. So very strong there. Poulet, Peterman Gallant, one of the favorites. Uh, Katrina Sahidiak and, and Colton Lott, another one of what will likely be the favorites, at least the playoff team. Pool C, you've got Nancy Martin and Terrell Griffith. 
Uh, they've had a really strong mixed doubles uh, four years sort of leading up to this. Laura Walker, Kirk Myers, as we mentioned, they've won before. It's uh, Negevin, like, ne- Negevin and Carruthers, right? Reed Carruthers really good at this discipline. That's right. He played with uh, Joy and Courtney, Courtney yep. a couple of years ago. So, yeah, very strong at the top in each of the pools. I think Pool D, I think you're right. It's probably the deepest, but I don't think it's the hot, the like the top of the top quality. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, you, you, another, a couple other teams. You got Courtney in this field with Darren Molding over in Pool A. Pool D mm-hmm. might be the not not quite the deepest. Uh, you have the uh, Osem Juan and Trevor Bonneau from Northern Ontario. Ashley Quick, Mike Armstrong are the Saskatchewan reps. Mackenzie Mitchell and the great Greg Smith are the Newfoundland Labrador reps there. Uh, but in terms of the, the bigger names, you got Caitlin Laws, with her nephew Connor Laws. I saw them play, I think, seven years ago when the mixed doubles championship was here. Connor mm-hmm. Laws was 16 or 17 year old, years old at the time. And Caitlin Laws just raved about him then, as saying, wow. like, he, 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 like, obviously she's a big fan. He, he's her nephew, mm-hmm. but just in terms of his ability. And I don't know what he does in terms of four person team or, or anything like that. But it, at that time, she was really, really like big on his his upside as a player uh weagle and epping tyler tardy desiree haas and then john morris and the replacement for rachel holman danielle shimaman am i saying that correctly scott i think it's shimaman shimaman excuse me so ho- hopefully they have a good week I-, I gotta tell you john morris could play with one of the cardboard cutouts and I think that they would have a good chance yeah, <laughs> to, to, yeah. to win just how good he is at, at the mixed doubles. So yeah, it's, it, it's, you're never going to replace Rachel Holman because she's one of the best in the world, but certainly don't count them out just because she's not there. No, you're right. You're right about that for sure. Yeah. So Scott, we have a bunch of players here as we run through the teams who have been in the bubble already. Some of the the men will have not left. Obviously, mm-hmm. Brendan Botcher and Mark Kennedy, uh, those type of guys, they didn't go home. Well, maybe Kennedy went home for a day or two. Uh, but, you know, you got all these guys, Myers, Nichols, Carruthers, who, who were in the bubble. On the women's side, same thing. Weagle, Laws, the entirety of the Carrie Anderson team, Nancy Martin, Laura Wire. There's just so many people here who have been in the bubble already. Do you expect there to be a bubble advantage for the teams who have players who have been in the bubble? And is that advantage greater if both of your players have already been in the bubble, a la Peterman Gallant, for instance? Sean, this is this is really hard to say because the teams that have both players that have been in the bubble are just really good curlers. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to say if their advantage is that, oh, they've been in the bubble already. Or if their advantage is just that they're better than the other teams. I I mean, I don't expect a provincial champion looking at them all to contend for this. I I would be surprised, frankly, if any of them made the 12 team playoffs. Larry St. George and Felix Aslan, maybe. They they were both bubbled. They were bubbled. So I guess we'll see if their bubbling is helping them at all. But I mean, they're in a pretty tough pool. Yeah. 
uh, as you mentioned before. So yeah, for me, it's really hard to say if the the quote unquote bubble advantage is is really something, or if it's just that their teams are really good. I because I don't think there's anybody who you look at that's like half their team was in the bubble, and and like even even a team like Clancy Grandy and Patrick Jansen, they were both in the bubble as fifths. Yeah, right. So they both have the experience with the protocols and. Uh, sort of the procedures for getting from the hotel to the arena and all that stuff. Right. Um, everybody else who's sort of coming in, I, I mean, is is John Morris and Daniel Schumann going to be worse because she wasn't in the bubble? Maybe. I, I mean, I guess we'll find out of that. But like, yeah. Well, I, I just say that, Scott, just because we saw at both the Scotties and the Briar, the teams would get off to somewhat tentative starts and in a couple of cases, bad starts where they weren't making shots in part because they hadn't been able to play. And then also this is a different environment where people have not really played in this sort of situation before. So I do wonder if just having that experience, especially on the men's side, right? The women have been home for a couple of weeks and the men will be coming off either three or four days in most cases, a week at the most of, of time off. Whereas the women have had a little more time off. So Maybe there's been time for a wee bit of rust to build up, but probably not that much. And so I do wonder how that'll play out, especially with with these teams where have you have one player who's coming in. So Brendan Botcher, for instance, he just won the Briar, and Bobby Sauter is coming into the bubble. So how much how much ahead of the game is he compared to her from where they would normally be as a team because he's just been in this environment and she's coming in cold to it, right? That That's the dynamic that I think is, I'm kind of curious to see how that'll ultimately play out. I mean, I guess, I think that's his wife, Sean. So like, fiance, you know, fiance. Okay, sorry. Uh, so I don't know how. I, I'm talking about it like on a current, from a curling perspective though, right? She hasn't been playing high level games against some of the best teams in the world. He has. Right, but he's also maybe having a bit of a letdown after just winning the most important game of his life, and now he's <laughs> like, "What the hell? I'm playing uh, playing in this uh, dumb mixed doubles game against uh, somebody I've never heard of before." Like, who cares? <laughs> All right, well, okay. Let me let me throw out another scenario for you then, or, or another possibility, or, or another question I would have. Take Sahidik and Lot, who very good. They, they've had they've had a great run. Lost the final of this event two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. I mean, they're they're really good at mixed doubles. Neither of them have been in the bubble. We don't know what access they've had to the local facilities in their area. So, in a game in a normal year against Peterman and Gallant, they have a good chance to beat them on normal circumstances. But Peterman and Gallant bubbled. They've played here. They have a, a sense of the ice. They have a sense of the rocks. So Heideck and Lot coming in cold. Does that skew things where, let's say, Peterman Glant would win 60% of the games between the teams? It's just to pull the number out. Does that increase their percentage now to like 75, 80% because of that experience? Maybe, maybe. I know this is really wishy washy for me to say. Um, <laughs> I'm just looking at the schedule for Sahidek and Sahidek. I had it before and I lost it. Sahidek a lot. And they start off with uh, Clancy Grandy and Pat Jansen. Uh, 
then play their next game against the team Alberta. There's Brittany Tran and Aaron Slichinski. That's a good team. Aaron Slichinski. Very good. Very good team. Yeah. Uh, And then, then move on to Peterman Gallant. So, you know, if they've gotten their practice and a couple games under their belts, maybe they'll be acclimated by then. Uh, But I, I don't, I don't think it's like that big a deal, to be honest. All right. Well, we shall find out, shall we? Yes, yes, shall we indeed. All right. The other thing I just am curious about, Scott, the teams that haven't played together, a couple of them I am so curious to see. And to be honest, there's a, a, a part of me that wants to just see a couple of them not do the greatest. <laughs> uh, not Not for any reason other than Skips can't sweep. And if Carrie Anderson and Brad Kushu do poorly this week, it would be a confirmation of the need to sweep and have a good sweeper on mixed doubles. Uh, of course, I don't actually wish them ill will. and I would expect them to have success. But take a matchup or a pairing like that. Carrie Anderson, Brad Gushu, two skips. What do you expect out of those type of pairings of people we haven't seen together before and back-end players together? Uh, they're two of the best shot makers in the world. So I think they'll be fine. There's, there's always a chance, you know, that, um, that maybe they miss a shot or two because of sweeping or lack of sweeping. Um, to me, those two players are maybe smart enough to give themselves an extra broom, like on, on the line. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. instead of knowing that you don't have the sweeping that you're usually used to. Um, the other sorts of pairings that we haven't seen before, uh, again, they're just great players. So I don't expect yeah. I don't expect them to be bad. I, I might expect them to you know take a game to get your communication together, get your uh, strategy you know, together. Like, I think that could be a disadvantage to be honest to the teams that have already been in the bubble and maybe haven't had a chance to sit down, go over their strategy, go over their philosophies of playing. So like the teams that haven't played together have both been in the bubble. That might be a disadvantage. What do you think of that? No, I I think being on the (laughs) ice is a bigger, I think it's a way bigger advantage. I mean, you okay. can talk, you can, you can FaceTime, you can do whatever you can zoom. Oh, you, you can talk about strategy, but getting out there, feeling the ice under your foot, throwing rocks in a pressure situation. I think that's a much bigger advantage than a potential disadvantage of not being able to have face to face time. All right. So it sounds to me, Sean, like we both think that the teams with the better players are going to win more games. This is a shocking, shocking conclusion that we've come to. I I do think, Scott, that when we look at mixed doubles and the teams that have had success at the international level coming from Canada, the the international game at mixed doubles is very different because you have some specialized teams. And I mean, ultimately, Switzerland's just going to win, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. or, or Switzerland's going to do very, very well, I should say. But you know, you have some specialists there. But in other countries, people are getting into it. Certainly, Nicodine, Anna Hasselberg, their teams play mixed doubles on the Scott Scottish side. We've seen players from 
uh, even Muirhead's team and Bruce Mowat's team get involved in mixed doubles. So it's, it is growing for the elite four person players getting involved. But on the Canadian side, the people who have had success, great success, when we go back to the qualification for the Olympics in 2018, that was Reed Carruthers, Joanne Courtney. So you had a great front-end player there. Uh, Walker and Myers, front-end player uh, in mm-hmm. Kirk Myers at the time, is there. Peterman and Gallant last year, two front-end players. I, I do think that this is an event that does kind of skew to your front end or at the very least a vice level player. And I think that's part of the reason why John Morris and Caitlin Laws were so successful and had such a great run at the Olympics is that the skill set for this leans towards those middle positions as opposed to skips. That That's my sense of it. I don't think we have enough of a sample size yet though. Yeah. And, and you can argue that skips of the four person game are very used to that kind of style of game, right? They've, what do you say, cut their teeth on four-person curling. And so their default strategy would be, what would I do in a four-person game, right? Where the, the people who have really embraced the mixed doubles learned all about what the, what you need to do to maximize your team strengths in that format have been the ones that have been able to succeed uh, a little bit faster, let's say. Um, Not to say that these skips can't do it. They're brilliant curlers and should be able to figure it out. But we've seen thus far, like you said, the advantages to, to those maybe thirds and seconds more than anybody else. Yeah. And and even just the skill set that you develop as a skip you're judging weight based off the rock coming towards you, which is different from walking beside it. Uh, yep. You're used to standing there and, and watching the line as it comes towards you. You don't have that same thing. It's just the, the format is so different that the things that you're great at and make you great as a four-person skip kind of go away in the mixed doubles game. Mm-hmm. And when you're used to sweeping, following rocks down, that I think is a big advantage here. So It'll just be fun to see, though, uh, how this plays out. At some point, skips are going to win this thing. At some point. It's inevitable. It's inevitable, yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll just see if it's this year. All right. So, Scott, for picks, let's do it a little differently this time because we're not going to pick 12 playoff teams. That's too many playoff teams. That's That's too many teams. I'm going straight for it, Scott. Who is the winner? Of the 2021 Canadian Mixed Doubles Curling Championship. Peterman and Gallant. Peterman and Gallant. Okay. So you're going with a back-to-back, belly-to-belly championship. I'm I'm going real chalk. Real chalk on this one. Uh, I don't know. Would this count as back-to-back? Did they play it last year? Or did they win two years ago and they didn't run one last year? That sounds right. Yeah. So they, but they're they're the defending champion. Yes. Whenever it is, they want it. They are Peter and Glant are the defending champion. Scott, I am going to go a different way here, and I am going to go with a, t- a member of Carrie Anderson's team. 
we really thought about this a lot, hey? Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the the members of Team Anderson is gonna do the double bubble championship. Whoa! And go for the triple at the Worlds, Scott. I'm going with our gal Val wow. and Mark Kennedy. I thought you might, Sean. Yeah, I uh, that that I think two two great thirds. You know, Val's game since she moved to the third position is just been phenomenal and, and she was a great skip of course getting to a couple of scotty's finals and i believe the canada cup final as well if not winning the canada cup as a skip and then mark kennedy just is, is mark kennedy so i'm gonna go with val sweetie mark kennedy to win here in 2021 can't go wrong with that uh i i picked a mark kennedy team in the briar bubble sean didn't work so didn't work hopefully yeah. I, the luck will be on your side yeah, Scott, I like that you say you can't go wrong with that pick, basically indicating that, and you that I did your go pick, wrong. but your pick is wrong. Like, what? I mean, if I can't go wrong know, with my pick, that means you think my pick's going to win. I mean, you can't go wrong picking Mark Kennedy. He's such a great player, right? Uh, nobody's ever going to give you a guff about that. Yeah. Well, someone might. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so hopefully it's a fun week for everybody sort of alluded to off the top tsn is doing three draws a day there are five draws a day of curling and tsn is going to do the first three of them so i believe 10 a.m eastern i what's the middle one scott the last one starts at 4 30 eastern i believe oh hold on sean i've got it right here i'm All so right. close to seeing it it's just on the tip of my uh <laughs> So Eastern time, 10.30, 1.30, 4.30, 7.30, 30. So they're three hours apart. Okay. So they're not showing the night games. So the 10, 1.30, 4.30 Eastern time are what you're going to get for TV. And then I believe they're doing all of the playoffs uh, throughout the page and all that. So And that'll uh, be, the, the playoffs will be a Wednesday, March yes. 24th. Yeah. So this is a short event. Uh, Once a week. Well, uh, short compared to what we've seen. Yes. It's seven, eight days instead of nine. Yeah. Because they got to flip it around for the uh, the men or for the Grand Slams. Yeah. So the Grand Slams come on the week after this is over. Yeah. Or sorry, men's first, then the Grand Slams. They got to flip it for the men's world championship, (sighs) then the Grand Slams, then the women's. So much is happening. A lot is happening. A lot yeah, is happening so, in the bubble. Yeah, so they're going to have to flip around everything. And I think they do have to get all these teams out of the bubble because the international teams are going to require more of a quarantine once they get to Calgary. So it's yeah. not just it's not so much for the ice and flipping the building. It's they need the space in the hotel and they need all of the, the teams out so that uh, the international teams can safely quarantine on their arrival in Calgary for the men's worlds. That's right. That's right. So I think that'll do it for us. We are going to do a broom stack or two through this. Follow us on social media. We will tweet out when we're going to do a Facebook broom stack. Not going to be daily for the mixed doubles like we did for the Briar and the Scotties, but we'll do one or two just to talk about all the fun and frivolity from Calgary. And then we'll also do a recap podcast once this one is done. And of course, if you haven't listened to our Briar one yet, we did drop that last night. So check it out. We talk about all the things that happened in the 2021 Tim Hortons Briar, including a very interesting championship Sunday out there in Calgary. 
And of course, if you want to get all these episodes, do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcast. Do the likes, ratings, comments, all that fun stuff. Helps other people find the show. Keeps us growing. And do follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. And the broom stacking is facebook.com slash Game of Stones Podcast. You can check out all of our ones from the Briar. And as I said, we'll do one or two during the mixed doubles just to keep it fresh for us and uh, keep things going hopefully something interesting happens that that we can just break it down in the moment so that should be a lot of fun and you can follow along with scott at scott likes tv and i am at the sean graham and do head over to gameofstonespod.com new merch is available with the t-shirts still going to food banks canada and the new products the baseball tee the hoodies and the toque that's all going to the sandra schmerler foundation so all proceeds are going we're matching them as well. So check out some of the new things over there, gameofstonespod.com. You can also find all of our past episodes there and a blog post explaining Olympic qualification and really why this bubble is happening. So people can get to the Olympic Games next year. That's why all of this is happening. So that's right. Uh, so Scott, enjoy the games. You too, Sean. Thank you. I intend to. Uh, and enjoy the games, all of you out there. Uh, just a quick note for our friends in the United States. The media guide does say it's going to be available on ESPN3. There's some discussion about that. I don't know what's actually been decided, but hopefully our, all of our American friends can watch. If not, we've got some VPN recommendations. You can hit us up, gameofstonespodcast.gmail.com if you need any help in that regard. But, uh, you know, geo-blocking geo is great, right, Scott? Yeah, maybe uh, maybe we can share... Uh... A promo code or something. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so enjoy the games, everybody. We'll be back next week on the feed with a recap. And do follow along on social media over the course of the mixed doubles. But until we talk again, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.